Hi, this is Kane Hodder, better known as Jason from Friday the 13th, Victor Crowley from Hatchet. You are listening to Midnight at the Monster Museum. Keep listening or I'll kill you. This is Charles Mann. You're listening to Midnight at the Monster Museum. This is R.A. Mihailov, Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, and you're listening to Midnight at the Monster Museum. Tom Devlin, and we're here with Midnight at the Monster Museum. Episode 12. We have a very special guest, R.A. Mihailov, who you might know as Leatherface, and you might also know him as a couple other awesome characters, and we're going to talk about that. But, uh, you know, the coolest part about having the Monster Museum is that we do, every once in a while, get these iconic horror figures coming through, and they either do signings or hang out, take photos. And we get to share them with the fans. But for those of you who didn't get to come out, we get to put it on the podcast and and have a chit-chat with these guys. So uh, let's get started. R.A., what is the normal day-to-day of your life? Well, Tom, let me tell you. (laughs) I'm a nomad. Uh, I split my time between Southern California and the Midwest. And my normal day, when I'm really running on all cylinders, I get up and watch the Beverly Hillbillies. (laughs) <laughs> well, as one should. Leave it to Beaver, uh, Perry Mason, and Matlock. I love Matlock. You know what? I have been so fighting for, and it'll never happen, but I would love to see a Matlock Murder, She Wrote crossover. Because I think that Jessica and, and Matlock would it, hit it, it off it, so it well. It, it can't happen. I know it, can, I know it can't, but it, it was always a childhood dream to right. see the Murder, She Wrote Matlock crossover. But you know, you know who was on that show that is also a big horror maven. Who's that? Dan Roebuck. Oh my! Oh yeah, of course. He was a regular on the series for quite a year. Yeah. Quite a few years. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. So a normal day, I read the newspaper, do my corresponding as the t- as the TV's on, really. There you, you know? go. I mean, Beverly Hillbillies is a must. The others are just. They're they're filler. They're time markers. Right, you know what right. I mean? I got so, you. And you, you travel around a lot and do uh, horror conventions and signings and autograph stuff. I do. I do. That's I've, awesome. I travel all the way to Boulder City, Nevada to go to Tom Devlin's Monster Museum. Yeah, and, and we were so glad to have you. We had a great turnout. We had a record-breaking day. And uh, I think it was that was an awesome uh, two-year anniversary, and I can't thank you enough. Well, I can't thank you for having me. I, I agree. It was a great day. So let's step back in your career a little bit. Um, first, before we talk about how you got into Hollywood, how you got into being a horror icon, you were a horror fan to begin with. You were, growing up, you were a horror kid. Absolutely, yes. Uh, I, I can remember a very, uh, uh, one of those uh, light bulb, uh, you know, over moments, the head yeah, moments. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When I was probably, I don't know, nine or 10 years old, I was in the drugstore with my mother. She was doing whatever mothers do in the drugstore, and I was spinning the paperback rack. Yeah. And 
my, my beady little eyes zoomed in on a, a, a paperback cover by Frank Frazetta, Conan the Adventurer. It was like, I was like, I was struck by lightning. That thing just jumped at me, man. And yeah. I went, oh my God, what is this? And then, you know, a couple with uh, comic books, my, gra my grandfather uh, finished his career as a barber. So he always had a fresh supply of comic books uh, at the barber shop. And he, as the new issues, every month as the new issues would come out, he would give me the old issues. So I actually had a store-bought copy of Fantastic Four number one. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I've lost it. Oh. Oh, yeah. Tell me about oh. it. Tell me about it. <laughs> uh, so that, so that, that, that cover by Frank Frazetta, the Mar and I'm a mighty Marvel marcher. Awesome. Uh, the Marvel comics. Of and, of course, uh, uh, Creepy and Eerie and Uncle Forey's uh, landmark Famous publication. Yes. Yeah. That I would set in my room as a, you know, as a, as a ute. As a youth, Your Honor, uh, I would I'd be reading famous monsters of film like, well, man, how, how cool would it be to play the Frankenstein monster or the werewolf or or you know play the creature you know any of those. When uh, when did you uh, where did you grow up? I'd rather not say. Okay. Uh, just the Midwest. Mid, you were in the Midwest. Yeah. So when did you? At what age did you uh, make the homage or homage to? Uh, to Hollywood. When did you uh, jump out there? Uh, well, excellent question. The, the, the homage started earlier. <laughs> One of my best friends uh, in, in the hometown crew I ran with was the son of the town undertaker. Okay. I sent away for Dick Smith's uh, the makeup, makeup kit. Yep, the makeup uh, oh, magazine. That's awesome. Out of the back pages of. Famous I know exactly Monster. what magazine you're talking yes, about. Yes, yes. Oh, that's awesome. So, oh. Dick Smith said mortician's wax. Hmm, my buddy's dad's the mortician. So he gave us a bunch of mortician wax, and we'd start, you know, making scars and bullet wounds and stuff like that. And uh, then uh, somebody had a, a Super 8 camera. So, you know, we got the Cairo syrup and, yeah. uh, you know, made a werewolf. I think we made a little werewolf movie, gl glued uh, uh, some kind of nasty, I don't even know what the hair was. It wasn't <laughs> hair, but we, you know, used the Cairo syrup. Anyway, so that was my start. Yeah. You know, and then as I got old enough in high school to join the drama club, man, I was chomping at the bit. You know, the minute I could join the drama club, I got into that and uh, I hit And you're, you're a big dude. You're a big, yeah. early, muscular guy going straight to drama like that. Did you get any kind of lashback? Were they like, why aren't you playing football? How come you're acting? Oh, uh, because I was playing football and, and wrestling too. Oh, okay, okay. So <laughs> yes, that's yes. awesome. So, yeah, I was one of the, you know, one of the major players. I just I grew up in East Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania, the home of Rosetta. Yeah. And uh, and to be honest, like I played football and I would do with the as far as the theater work went, at nights I would paint the sets. I would work on that. But I remember getting totally ridiculed for being into the weird movie shit that I was. Now you're not cool unless you like zombies. But at that time you weren't cool because you like zombies. You know, it, it's right. a it was a different thing, and, and we grew up in a real football town where, like, don't be a sissy and play with drama kids. Well, my town was like yeah. that. Yeah, my town yeah. was like that, too, but it was my school was so small that there wasn't there wasn't a enough student population to separate into cliques. Right, right. You know, everybody had to, had to do double duty or triple duty, yeah. you know? That's so, cool. But, and, you know, I was, like, I was one of the best football players on the team, so it was, 
there's only one guy in the school that could beat me up. So there you go. <laughs> and he was my one of my best friends. There so. you go. So you got into drama, and then that led to uh... Uh, dropping out. Okay. <laughs> I got sick. I'm right I, there with you. I got sick and tired. <laughs> I got sick and tired of all the bullshit of studying and and politics and everything of you know academia. Right. right. So I just flat out quit, man. And I decided I'm going out and I'm going to do real stuff. So I went out and my first job I got was uh, uh, working on a cross country oil exploration team. Uh, uh, my next job after that was working in an iron foundry. I went down and lived in a log cabin in West Virginia for a while. Uh, then I came back and got a job on the railroad. I was a spike driving fool. I was John Henry, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was really a spike driving fool. That's awesome. And you know, and then I got laid off on the, the railroad, and I was I was bailing hay for one of the local farmers, and his wife just happened to be the uh, artistic director of the community theater. And she had also known me. She'd been a Cub Scout den mother and knew me since I was a... A little guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, in my part of the country, when you uh, work on a farm, you always have a big, gigantic lunch, and, you know, you drink a half gallon of fresh milk <laughs> at lunch, and, lay, and you lay out under the tree for an hour or so before you go back to work, and she comes up to me after lunch, and she says, All right, you're going to be in my next play. I said, Okay, Bonnie, sure, why not? Tell me of mice and men. Huh? Tell me it was of my. It was not. It was not. Uh, it was, uh, believe it or not, the first place she drove me in on was She Stoops to Conquer. I don't, I'm not familiar. It's, a, it's one of those uh, uh, restoration plays, you okay. know. It's a comedy of manners and things like that. Yeah. And I played a kind of minor part in the, in the thing. But then uh, uh, for the next one, I got promoted. And uh, we did Fiddler on the Roof. Okay. Uh, and I played Laser Wolf. Awesome. The Butcher. Yeah. You know, to life, to life, lechayam, 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 to life. <laughs> do, 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 do. Then I got promoted again for the next one. We did, uh, uh, Jesus, uh, come on, uh, the one with the uh, little kid that's ba Please, sir, can I have some? Oliver. Yeah. Yeah, we did Oliver. And I got a starring role in that one. I got to uh, essay the role of the, that re, uh, re, uh, redoubtable, noteworthy Mr. William Sykes. Okay. The bad guy. Yeah, yeah. The villain. Yeah, that, that might have been the defining uh, point of my career, you know, because I got to play a real a villain. Strong yeah. men tremble when they hear it. They've got cause <laughs> enough to fear it. It's much blacker than they smear it. Nobody mentions my name. So That's awesome. I got to do I, I got to murder and die on stage. And in the mean oh, I forgot to tell you, in the meantime, when I did the play She Soups to Conquer, uh, the head of the uh, local college the drama department was there. Uh, in the cast, and he invited me to come up to the college and do a, a little uh, bit for the uh, homecoming play. And while I was there, I saw an ad for uh, this Cleveland Playhouse Summer Theater School at the Chautauqua Institution in New York. Hmm. I didn't feel like going to... I, I had, at one point, had vague thoughts of going to try to go, to, not going, but trying to go to Juilliard and, yeah. you know, really be a big deal. Right. 
Uh, but, you know, I abandoned those, but I said, oh, summer, summer theater, mm, got out of school. Mm, summer's three months. I think I can hack that. So I applied and I got accepted and I uh, had a blast, man. I spent the, the summer at the Chautauqua Institution. Do you know what that is? No. It's a quasi religious arts community. Okay. It was founded on, you know, a, a, a re, you know, like a Methodist or something like that, revival kind of thing. Right. But then it, 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 it built up to an art community, and it, uh, it's got its own orchestra. It's got its own opera hall. It's got its own playhouse, which was, you know, uh, uh, staffed by the Cleveland Playhouse at that time. It's got a library full of, art, you know, art books and things like that. Um, Welch's Grape Juice, Mr. Welch is one of the people that founded the thing. Wow. Yeah, and it's just, and, it, and it's, it's gated, it's walled, you know, and it's on a lake, it's on Chautauqua Lake in mid-state mid, mid, mid New York. Right. And it's just a cool place, man. I mean, I felt like I was, I felt like I was kind of, you know, like, uh, suave and sophisticated and cultured, you know, <laughs> coming, 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 you know. Six six months earlier, a year earlier, I'm, I'm bucking hay and shoveling shit, you know. And now I'm hoity-toity, and I loved it. It was really cool. Yeah. So and that 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 established so that that established uh, my my work ethic uh, as an actor by right. going to that school. Right. Uh, you know, you learn things like be on time. Be on time. That is one of the most That's, important. Yeah. Most important things in, yeah. I, I would say any industry, but definitely in the film industry, man. Yeah. You don't need people waiting on you. Yeah, you know. exactly. You know, and, and just everything, you know, uh, how to how to develop a character, how uh, outside things uh, influence, you know, the right. development of your characters. Like something, something as simple as wardrobe, you know. Right. Uh, the head of, the head teacher, instructor of the school, you know, gave us a little talk one day and explained, you know, as you're developing a character, it's influenced by the wardrobe you wear. And that's very true. Very true. Very true. Uh, think about it. Uh, let's go to something special effects. Right. Okay. What, what's one of, what, what, pick a, 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 a suited creature you've done. Um, I mean, I can say that, uh, oh man, I've done... I just grabbed one. Bartocular. Bartocular is a head-to-toe creature, but he wore loincloths and and other uh, drabs of fabric that shows that he was ancient and old. And but you know. there was a human being in the of costume, course, right? Of course, it, yeah. it, 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 in the in the prosthetics and yeah. stuff. So that human being, the actor that portrayed him, by the time he's completely wardrobed and made up, of course, you know that's going to inform his entire performance. Well, and I was talking. Uh, to a creature suit performer recently, and the, the reason I like to use him is because he uses the makeup as that driving motivation. You know, if right. it's uncomfortable, it's because he's an angry so and so anyway, right. and he need he like he prefers to be tight in the foam latex and and have that right. rather than rather than just um, you know trying to pretend it's there when it's not. Right, that smacks of method. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm sure you dealt with that even with like uh, on Chainsaw with the the mask. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, it's uh, very simple. You know, you you go to work in your jeans and your boots, you know, or your jeans and sneakers and t-shirt. And by the time you go through makeup and wardrobe, you leave the mundane world behind and enter the the uh, the magical world of movies. You right. know, yeah, yeah. And you're you 
you know, your whole mind can... Uh, How different is it between stage and theater and being on set of a film for you? Because in stage and theater, when I watch it, I feel like they are living it and believe it the entire duration. Where when I watch a movie, you know, when I'm there when we're making a movie, it's like 40 second to three minute action, cut, do it again. I don't know if they get that chance to to live the character always. But then there's some actors, once in a blue moon, you'll see that guy transform and not turn back until right. the day's over. Right. Uh, more power to him. And, yeah. you know, uh, but me, uh, on screen or on stage, you, when you're on the stage or in front of the camera, you turn it on. Yeah. Off stage, off camera, hey, what are you doing? Yeah, I came out smoke a cigar, you know? Yeah. You know? Turn it back off. Yeah. You just be one of the guys. You're not somebody who goes and hides in the trailer so your real personality doesn't Correct. come out. Correct. Okay. That's cool. I am I'm not. You right. Know. Some people are. Yeah. And and that's their that's their way. You know, yeah, it's exactly. uh, it's always different. Especially I see it with putting people in prosthetics because sometimes just being behind the prosthetics is enough of a shield that they don't retreat like that. But sometimes, you know, they they'll go hide and not want to be around right. the, the cast members, you know. Well, I, I can tell, and it's not telling tales out of school, I'll tell you a little uh, anecdote about Kate Hodge, my co-star in Chainsaw 3. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she asked the line producer to ask me not to approach her when I was in, in wardrobe. Because she didn't want to get used to you. That is exactly right. Yeah. That is exactly right. And I understand that, man, because you are already large and foreboding, but in that face and 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 dirty, ratty, smelly costume, uh, which maybe it didn't smell, but it looks like it does. Ah, they uh, wash it every day. But, uh, but you know, it's one of those things where, like, I could see her using that that as, yes. as fear because yeah. it's, you know, when you stand close to somebody, it's it's nerve wracking to you know, especially in full costume. So from the, the theater school that you went to in New York, how, how long before you hit Hollywood? Quite a while. Okay. Quite a while. Uh, after the theater school, some of the teachers turned me on to uh, uh, a type of theater called outdoor drama. Right. They're all over the country. Yeah. Uh, I've actually heard Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi talk about that. Really? In Michigan, they were involved with that. I wonder what it was. Yeah. Huh. Uh, but yeah, it's a perfect training ground, you know. So I went to uh, Unified Auditions for Southern, uh, Southeastern Theater Conference, SETC. Um, and they held it at Chapel, uh, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. And people, from, you know, people from aspiring actors from all over the region production stage companies from all over the region, from all over the southeast, as far away as Texas, as a matter of fact. Uh, everybody come there, came there, you got a number, you know, you signed up, you got a number, you had like, you know, three minutes on stage, and the, the, the producers and directors and everybody of the theaters would sit there and watch your audition. Uh, and then on the strength of your audition, you would be summoned for interviews uh, at various places around the college, you know, right, or, or, right. or the town. So I got a couple offers, and uh, I ended up taking one from for, uh, in Texas for several reasons. One, it was a brand new, unproduced play, so I would get to create a character that no one ever did. That's cool. 
It was written by a, a, a Pulitzer Prize winning writer, wow. Paul Green. And it was in Texas, and I'd never been to Texas. <laughs> and the producer looked like Wild Bill Hickok, and I thought he was pretty damn cool. Plus, they were drinking bourbon while they were interviewing me. So I, I signed on, and uh, I had a lot of fun down there. I spent a couple of years down there. Yeah. Yeah, two seasons. I went. Uh, so, so, but it was, that was like a living movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had a. I rode five different horses. Uh, no, uh, yeah, five different horses, six nights a week. Sometimes at a full gallop across a dirt uh, berm in the back of the stage. Had you ridden horses before that? Not a lot. No, that's <laughs> that was one of the questions they asked me. And of course, like every typical actor. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, I'm an excellent <laughs> horseman. <laughs> I'd been on, you know, I'd ridden, but right. uh, uh, not, I got real good by the end of the, you know, by the yeah. end of the uh, second season. Uh, but yeah, so it was fun, you know, plus barbecue down in Texas and, you know, we were yeah. right on, we were, uh, the, the amphitheater was right on the Gulf of Mexico and uh, the second season. Like the near, sec near Corpus Christi area? No, uh, Galveston. Oh, Galveston, okay. Uh, on the second season, uh, you know, I was kind of like an old hand there, uh -huh. so the Wranglers would let me come up on my day off or whatever, grab a horse and ride down on the beach. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, I was cool, man. So I really enjoyed it. And like I said, I uh, I got to create a character. I've, my name is in some book in Texas, uh, you know, because of that. Uh, Very cool. Yeah. So, I, 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 did, I don't know if I'm tired of Texas or whatever, but I heard about this outdoor theater in Ohio. Okay. And they brought in a Hollywood stuntman <laughs> to do the fights, you know, down in Texas. We were kind of choreographing our own fights and yeah. stuff like that. A Hollywood stuntman, <laughs> and I—that's what I actually—that was what I wanted to be when I started. Yeah, I'd actually written a letter to uh, Benny Dobbins, the, pre uh, the president of Stuntmen's Association of Motion Pictures, before I left home. You know, Mr. Dobbins, I, I was—you know—I want to be a stuntman. Is there any school I can go to, or any training, or anything like that? You know, blah 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 back from Benny. Uh, no, young man, there is no school, there is no formal training, <laughs> blah, 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 you know. I said, oh, okay. So when I found out that there was a Hollywood stuntman coming to Ohio to choreograph the battle sequences, I said, yeah, that's where I got to go. So I loaded up my truck and I moved to Chillicothe. Ohio, that is. <laughs> uh, so now, you ready for this? I'm ready. The stunt coordinator for this outdoor theater, the, the the show was called Tecumseh. It's still running, as a matter of fact. The stunt coordinator was Jim Winburn. That name's familiar. Oh, you may remember him uh, doing the fall off the porch in Halloween. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, there you go. Yep. That's awesome. I, I, but I didn't have any idea. Right. I just knew a, a Hollywood stuntman was coming right. out. So I'm, I'm pretty handy, you know. Like I said, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do stunts. So me and Jim hit it off really good. And, uh, uh, you know, I stayed in contact with him when I got out to Hollywood, paid a call to his office, and, you know, nothing was really going on or anything like that. But uh, a few years later, so so when I got to Hollywood, it was it was up and down, man. I mean, it was, you know. Around what years was it? Early? I got there 
mid 80s? 81. Oh, early. Uh, December of 81. Okay. Right, yeah, December of 81, I think, is the year that I arrived. I was born in 81. Well, there you go. That's how well, crazy I'm, the same age, I'm the same age as your dad, for Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah. uh, December of 81. Yeah. And, uh, uh, it was it was rough going there for many years, for several years, you know. Uh, like I said, I paid a call on Jim Winburn, but you know, it nothing. It, he wasn't, you know, he didn't have anything he could hire me for, and uh, so, you know, working a lot of what we call day jobs and things like that, you yep. know. And uh, then I got a call from, uh, what, but I had one, I had a little. I had something, I had a, a, an ace up my sleeve. Uh, I had read years ago, remember, I don't know if you guys are old enough to remember those uh, coffee table books, uh, Life and Luck. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, So I can't remember which one, but in one of those magazines, they had a, they, they, they profiled uh, a new, uh, an aspiring filmmaker, uh, George Lucas. Oh, of course. There you go. And they, you know, and they said that, you know, when he did hit, his first movie, TH, THX 1138, yep. was a student film yep. at USC. Yep. And he hired an actor. I don't know whatever happened to the guy. Uh, um, uh, Bob Duvall? Did he ever make it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this, this, is, that's, this is another light bulb moment. Yeah. Aha! Yeah, like student films. Uh, uh, USC produces uh, famous... Uh, Directors and famous directors hire famous actors it, it, all it, at the it beginning. It does. It's true. So I made, you know. My wife is a USC film alumni. Oh, is she? Yes, she went to school to be a director. Oh, yeah. oh. And she's directed four feature films. She did? Yep. Holy cow. Yep. That's fantastic. Good job, Lola. Yep. Uh, uh, yeah, so I went down there and I just started doing as many student films as I had time for. You know, there was a, absolutely... Uh, zero money. The, they would always, uh, when they put out a casting call, be uh, uh, copy, meals, and credit. Yeah. Uh, never got a copy. <laughs> Sometimes they got pizza. Uh, and they, at least you got credit in the, you know, so. Yeah. I, we were talking before we came here about IMDb, how that's kind of changed things, because now you get that IMDb credit, and for early guys, it's like gold. That's like, I am legitimate. It's online. Look at it. Yeah, you know exactly. And uh, that—that's because when I first moved to Hollywood, which I'm much younger than you, but uh, there wasn't the internet like that. There wasn't right. IMDb, so I went shop to shop with fake resumes and pictures that I had made shit in my room and took pictures of. Oh, this is from Crude Awakening. We shot this. Uh, blah 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 blah. <laughs> and I just bullshitted my way into an effects job with fake, fake resume. You know. Yeah. And, now you can't do that because they just IMDb. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, they call your bluff. Yeah. <laughs> it's like those aren't real. <laughs> and that's I, I do that too when you know when especially when I go to a con or something and yeah. I'm not going to mention any series that has a lot of zombies in it. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I think they do a lot of walking. Uh, the Golden Girls. Well, no. no uh, and it's I believe it's set in uh, oh. Atlanta, outside Atlanta. <laughs> anyway, a lot of those people, you know, who have been an extra on the show, they use that credit. They yeah. try to use that credit and they, bluff their way in. I've met a lot who do. Yes. And, uh, you know, there you go. An extra is an extra, but 
that that's kind of a bummer too because they'll add themselves uncredited uncredited yeah well, that's even a cheat yeah if you're uncredited you're an extra yeah exactly you know or you're doing it as a favor for a friend exactly. you know i mean i i've actually seen some really big name people on imdb uncredited yeah but it's it's like it's like john wayne back to my wonderful show beverly hillbillies yeah when he did the Beverly Hillbillies, he, he did an episode, he did a scene, you know, uh, and uh, they asked him, well, Duke, what do we owe you? Ah, just give me a bottle of whiskey and we'll call it even. <laughs> That's you know? it. So, there you go. But anyway, let, uh, let, back to you. Yeah, well, let's back to positive stuff. Let's start, <laughs> uh, so, so there wasn't a whole ton of work in 81, but but it must have come shortly after. No, not shortly. Oh, hell no. <laughs> 81. Let's see. Well, okay. I did Chainsaw 3 in 89. Yes. But before that, you told me of a story that, uh, that involved C.J. Graham. Oh, yes. In an audition. Oh, yes. Tell, yeah. I'd love to hear that. Was okay. that. How early was that? Had you landed a role before no, that? No, no. Okay. I mean, I'd done a couple of things. You know, I'd done, right. uh, you know, some of the... Early stuff. As most of our listeners know, C.J. Graham is a great friend of the Monster Museum, and when you told me that on the phone, I was rolling. I, I <laughs> thought that was great. <laughs> okay, so back to Mr. Jim Winburn. Oh, well, 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 let me let me just tell one more story yeah, about yeah, Jim Winburn, and it's going to tie right into this. Sure. Okay, so uh, around 1986, uh, some of the people I met uh, doing student films and things like that were starting to. Uh, matriculate up the studio system yeah and the wife of one of the uh, uh, co-stars of Jeff Burr's student film was connected with a group that did Did you meet Jeff Burr as a student filmmaker yes that's exactly right oh that's uh, awesome yes that's exactly right that's uh, awesome yes <laughs> and uh, uh, she calls me up and she goes hey all right I'm working for this uh, it's a production company, and they're doing a live-action A-Team show over at Universal Studios. Oh, that's so cool. And, the stunt and, show's and, spectacular. And need, yeah, and they need to recast some parts, and I told them about you, and they want to see you. So I go up to, it, it was Gary Goddard Productions, and he's pretty well known for making spectacular uh, live-action yeah. entertainment. Yeah. So I go up there, meet them all, and, you know... You can't really audition uh, for getting beat up by Mr. T or riding around in a jeep shooting a machine gun. You know, you, yeah. you can't you can't do that in an office. But uh, guess who was the stunt coordinator of that show? Jim Winburn. Mr. Jim Winburn. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so right away I go right down. I make a beeline. I got first of all I've got Katrine, the the girl uh, that's working for the company. She's already got me endorsed. I make a beeline down to Jim Winburn's office. He gives me the good word, so I mean, it was like you know, I got hired. <coughs> Excuse me, and it was a fantastic job. It's so much fun, you know, shooting guns and getting beat up by Mr. T eight times a day and yeah. uh, spinning jeeps, you know, 180 degree uh, uh, spins with jeeps, you know, burnouts and stuff, and shooting uh, Ruger Mini 14s with uh, uh, 30 uh, 30 round magazines and. Uh, two of them taped together, and we, we'd try to see how many how many rounds we could empty during a 20-minute sh show, you know? I lot. remember this from when I was a kid, and I remember <laughs> thinking it was real. Like, when I, w I was a little guy, I would go to Universal Studios on my birthday. Right. I remember when I saw the Conan Stunt Show Spectacular, 
I thought I was, I, that was Conan. That was really freaking Conan. And I, I saw him and I thought so, I was so happy. And I remember being on that tram when the, when the um, uh, Battlestar Galactica guys would come attack the tram. And I thought, I mean, I lived the movies like it was so real. And I remember that one in Miami Vice, man. Well, Miami uh, Vice took over. Took the, over the yeah, yeah, yeah. I, re I remember that. I remember all of that. That Conan show, uh, I, I had a bunch of friends that got hired for that. Yeah. I, I tried, you know, I originally auditioned for it. I didn't get hired for that one, but a bunch of my friends did. That I loved that show. Oh, I did too. When he sticks that sword in the snake's yeah. belly and yeah. it's like smoking. Yeah. I, I literally lost my shit because I was such a huge fan back yeah. then. And, and it was, I... I lived in my imagination, so I was five or six years old. I, I imagined it so much that that was them. I knew the movies were kind of not real, but right. I knew that I was seeing really Conan. That was awesome. Yep. Anyway. So so now we go up to, uh, now I'll tell you, now we're sort of, we're rolling into the C.J. Graham thing. Yeah. So uh, I get, you know, the contract ends. They decide to end the uh, uh, A-team live action show, so... I probably started to run out of money or something like that. And uh, I get a call from who? Jim Winberg. Jim Winberg. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. I, I think It's I all to, about who you meet. Yeah, I think I need to go get that, take that guy out for dinner. <laughs> uh, I says, hey, all right. Uh, some friends of mine are uh, uh, doing a movie, and uh, they, they, I told them about you. They want to see it. It's a movie called Friday the 13th. He didn't tell me number six or nothing like that. It wouldn't have mattered to me anyway. Right. He goes, and uh, you were familiar with the series, though. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I'm sure I was. I mean, I'd, I'm sure I'd seen them. Yeah. Uh, but he said, uh, "Yeah, you're going, you're, uh, you're going down to meet uh, Frank Mancuso Jr. and uh, who was the executive producer? producer. Yeah. I got a drive on. I got a drive on past the Paramount lot. Yeah. I sat in uh, Frank." Uh, Frank Mancuso's. Yeah, Frank Mancuso Jr.'s Hollywood bungalow on his couch, knee to knee with the script between us, talking about the part. Number six. Well, Jason, for number six, I hadn't done anything really big. You know, I mean, I'd done a cop, you know, a few things, but nothing like that. I mean, this, this was going to be my big break. I was so nervous that morning, I almost puked brushing my teeth. <laughs> so I get over there, and, you know, we have a nice talk and everything, and he sends me over to meet the. Tom McLaughlin says we never met, but I swear he sent me over to meet the uh, Tom and 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 Mike Nomad, the director. Yeah. And Mike Nomad and I really hit it off, of course, because you know I had that sort of still that residual uh, stuntman vibe. You right, know what I mean? Right. So he and I, and this is before social media, before uh, uh, texting or anything yeah. like that. So we exchanged phone numbers. I think we even went out and had breakfast one time. Uh, so. I stay in touch with him because uh, I want this role, man. I want this role badly. And uh, the choice came down to me and another guy. Didn't know the other guy, never heard his name. Uh, and the other guy got it. Oh, I got I to gotta loop back just a second. They'd already hired a guy for, uh, for Jason in number six, and they had him in in Atlanta and they worked him two weeks. And they didn't like it. They didn't like what he was doing. Huh. And that's, and so they recast the role. Now the irony of that is that guy that was originally hired for Jason is now 
one of the biggest stunt coordinators in the business. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, his name's Dan Bradley. And I mean, he's coordinated huge movies. Things. Wow. Like, you know, uh, what's that one with Will Smith and, uh, you know, Independence with Day. Independence Day. Uh, just keep going. That's yeah. the kind of movies he's coordinating, yeah. you know. So anyway, so this guy, this other guy gets hired. And I'm going, ah, shit, damn it. <laughs> uh, I'm really bummed out. So I was reading the trade papers, you know, and I saw a review of the movie. So yeah, I want to see. I want to see if they mention who got the part. Oh yeah, they did. Uh, CJ. CJ. He uses his initials too. That son of a bitch. CJ. CJ Graham. <laughs> so now I'm really bitter. <laughs> you know, because the movie came out. Uh, what year did it come out? It came out in '87 or yeah, something like that. No, '87, I think. Something like that. So yeah, I hadn't done Chainsaw yet, right? Yeah. So. Fast forward 10 years or whatever, I'd, I'd done Chainsaw. I didn't have a chip on my shoulder. I used to train at the world-famous Gold's Gym in North Hollywood, brother. You know, hanging and banging. And yeah. This other big guy, long hair, big guy, riding a Harley, too, you know. Hey, bro, what's going on? Hey, bro, yeah, your bike sounds good. Yeah, yours does, too, man. Hey, saw you, uh, saw you lifting uh, earlier. Yeah, you're looking strong, brother. Yeah, thank you, brother. You're looking strong, too. <laughs> so they all you know? talk like Hulk Hogan, too. Huh? You all talk like Hulk Hogan, too. Well, no, you know, yeah, well, you know. You know yeah, world's famous gold gym. Yeah, it's, you know, tough yeah, guys. Hey, yeah, man, what's going on here? So, hey, never introduced ourselves. Never hung out or nothing, you know. And, but always had mad respect for each other, right? Right. And one day I'm doing something, and... I hear somebody go, hey, CJ. I threw my shit down. <laughs> I had some dumbbells, and I threw them down, and I walked over. He was doing, I think he was doing incline bench presses or something, and I walked over to him, and I got, like, sort of in his face, and I said, hey, man, is your name CJ Graham? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, why? I said, because I've hated your guts for 10 years. <laughs> and... And then, of course, you know, I, I, had, I had to break kayfabe uh, yeah. and tell them, the, you know, the unknown history, our, our unknown. Your own unknown history. Yeah. yeah. So, of course, you know. Well, it's so awesome that you guys both went on to be iconic horror characters, both for one movie, but, but remembered. I mean, I can tell you the honest truth. Last year, we had CJ on the same day we had you. It was our record-breaking day. Then we had you, and we broke CJ's record. So you kicked CJ's ass this week. <laughs> oh, we're buddies, but, man. We're no, buddies he's the now. best. He's the best. And it's awesome to hear that yeah. little bit of history yeah. about how Leatherface was going after Jason. Could you imagine if you had landed both Jason and the fact that you knew Jeff Burr from college? You would have had Leatherface, too. How hard was it to get Leatherface knowing Jeff? Did you have to audition? Did you have to push hard for it? Or... It was pretty much, it was kind of like almost uh, like automatic, done deal. Wow. Uh, That's awesome. We, 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 Jeff and I have, you know, so many mutual friends and right. everybody, everybody's a film geek. Right. And what do film geeks do when they get together? They drink and they talk about films. Yeah. So everybody was at a, and I found out, I found out. The Jeff got the directing role by reading an article in the L.A. Times. Again, this is before texting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Back and, when you had and, Backstage West and all that. Uh, yeah, well, actually, the L.A. Times. 
and uh, everybody, all, all the other film geek friends were at a party at somebody else's house, a Fourth of July party. I was not there because I was too hungover from Third of July. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and uh, I guess they, you know, they all uh, bellied up to the bar, you know, and. Uh, Talked about it. Well, Jeff, what are you going to do? Oh, yeah, yeah, you got the new movie. Congratulations, you know. Well, what are you going to do? Uh, uh, well, I offered the part to Gunner, which is right and proper. Right. Uh, Jeff right. Burr has yeah, a yeah. Uh, Jeff Burr has a great uh, reverence for our business uh, yeah. and the history of our business. Of course. Uh, and that was a logical and right thing to do. Offer it to Gunner. Uh, Gunner was unable to successfully negotiate. A deal with there's, New Line. There's been so many stories about how, I mean, I heard, I've heard it. He's passed away now, of course, and and I've never got to talk to him about it. But in his book and his documentaries, he's he acts as if they just never wanted him back. Everybody made it so difficult, money wise, and he never he claims he was never asking for too much. It just it was like they they were going to give his agent. Uh, uh, stipend, and he's like, "Well, I'm not. I don't have an agent. You're talking directly to me. Okay, then we'll take that stipend away and give you less." It's like, that's crazy, you know. So, yeah. but uh, I, I love the Texas Chainsaw franchise mostly because I like every iteration of Leatherface in their own right, and right. I like that he grew as a character based on, you know. I always say Gunner was the baby, you know, the the invalid baby. Right. Uh, Bill was the. Um, teenager horny and you were just a mad bad killer you're the adult asshole i'm gonna i'm gonna run one through you you know and it wasn't so childish and i i love that i always did right. and then andrew bernarski i thought was great too but he's almost an amalgamation of all of them i didn't um and i forget the guy who played part four but i actually oh, uh, robert jacks robert jacks i actually really love part four even though it gets a bad rap but uh you know right whatever uh Robert Jacks is the only Leatherface I never met. Oh, okay, I yeah, he doesn't do the convention well, circuit. He's dead. Oh, I didn't know he. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> That's even. Why know, I never met him. I didn't know he was passed away. I yeah. didn't know he died. He died before I ever met him. Wow, wow. Two thousand and five was the first time I met Bill Johnson. Oh, okay. Uh, um, so yeah. Well, I. Uh, um, also, Jeff Burr. The director of Chainsaw 3 is one of my favorite all-time directors. He gets, he, I feel like he gets the shit end of the MPA all the time, but uh, Puppet Master 3 and, or 4 and 5, uh, Texas Chainsaw 3, Stepfather 2, I think he did, yeah. um, and uh, and Pumpkinhead 2, Blood Wings. Pumpkinhead yeah. 2, yep, Blood Wings. Yep. Yep. So I, I feel like he's the king of the sequels, man. Um, he, was, he, he did amazing horror films. Uh, and and I've always been a huge fan. I've met him briefly, but he would never know who I am, you know. Friends you, of don't friend. be surprised. He's you got know? a very good memory. I, I uh, Jay Wolfel, who's a very good friend of oh, his. Oh, yes, of course. I, I know Jay. I know Jay, and, and through Jay I've met Jeff yeah. Burr, but I don't know that, like I said. Jay, Jay, Jay Wolfel is part of that uh, film geek mafia. Yeah, yeah, part of the USC mafia. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Well, so getting the part of Leatherface was a walk-on almost for you. Uh, yeah. Once you were on set, I mean, that was a huge Hollywood production. That's a sequel to a a, a legacy film. Yes. You know, and and both and the first one not done by Toby Hooper, which was, you know, that had to be a little bit nerve-wracking for Jeff too. Uh, that I can't speak to. Right. You know, but 
it was for me. It was about the most you know, sublime uh, thing that ever happened to me. Right. You know, it's all I ever wanted to do when I moved to Hollywood was go, go to Hollywood, make movies with my go to Hollywood, become a movie star, and make movies with my friends. Yeah. And that happened and on that movie. That's what you did. Yeah. Uh, every all that happened on that movie. And you got to work with K and B effects in their K and B. You yeah. know what? Before that, that early. Late '80s, early '90s, K and B is what influenced my whole life. You know, it's uh, they they were these tight group. You know, just hammering out every horror franchise you could imagine, and I I, I always loved that. So you know, I, they're they're the I think they're the they're the the, the masters right now. They yeah. have grown to beyond success. I yeah. think that they're, they're, they're the, rock stars. Yeah, they're the summit of the makeup mountain. Right. I got offered a. I got offered a position at KMB one time in, early on in my career, and I I actually didn't even go in for the interview for it because I I told myself if I go there I'm gonna work there for the rest of my life I'll right. be a shop guy and I'm gonna work there because I was already a shop guy I worked for a guy named Matthew Mungle at WM Creations huge stuff and it was a lot of fun but but I I want to be the guy I wanted to be Tom Savini I okay. didn't want to work for Tom Savini you know right. what I mean oh, so I get to it. go to Go to work at KMB. I, I would have got to work on every film I ever cared to and been the guy that made molds or ran urethane for the rest of my life, but I wouldn't have been Tom Devlin. You know, I would have been right. a KMB guy. Right. And uh, so I, I chose a different path, <laughs> for no, better or worse. But I, I did. I cha I wanted to do. I love low budget horror film. I wanted to work on Puppet Masters and Toxic Avenger and that stuff. And I've got to. That my sad part of my career is when I was a kid. Those Friday the Thirteenth and Texas Chainsaws, I perceived those as indie films. I thought like, oh, you just because that's the beginning of these. You know, you got the Renee Zellweger's that go on to be famous. You have Kevin Bacon who goes on Johnny Depp. So I thought that that was like a low budget indie film, and I thought that I would get to be part of like those franchises because in the in the late '80s, you have in the Nightmare on Elm Street series every effects guy in the world working on one movie. You know, they'd bring them all together. John Beekler and John Vulich and Kevin Yeager and uh, Howard Berger all on one movie. So all I right. thought, oh, I'll go work on a slasher film when I get to L.A. And then I found out that those movies are huge budgets. Like, the new Friday the 13th is a $10 million movie. You know, that's not a... That's not... Nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, that's not an entry-level position anymore. Yeah, right. It used to be, but it's not anymore. And I think you... We're on the cusp. That Leatherface Part Three, to me, was maybe the beginning of like this isn't. We're not making indie films that play in drive-ins. This is going to theaters. This right. is designed for theaters. Right. Um, so, uh, man, I can't imagine what it was. Where did you guys shoot that? Was it in Southern California? Yeah, in like Southern California. Sable about, Ranch area. Or uh, something? No, up uh, mostly behind Magic Mountain. Okay. Okay, Santa Clarita area. Yeah. Uh -huh. Awesome. Oh, that's right. I've heard that you could like hear the screams from the roller coasters in some. some uh, that's of the what shop. they say. I don't know. I never heard it. But, I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was mostly where everything was. Had you met Ken Forey before that, or? Uh, no, I. But I had been on, on the set of, Dawn of the Dead. Really? Because yeah. it was in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that was. Uh... I, when I was an aspiring stuntman, I yeah. just. I hiked on down to Pittsburgh and uh, introduced myself to Tom Savini and said, here I am. You know? <laughs> what can you do with me? Yeah. And 
we didn't it didn't really work out um, right. you know because I, I wanted to do stunts and I perceived and you, that they were offering me just an extra role yeah and I didn't really want to be just an extra right so I didn't end up working on the picture but I saw I saw Ken I don't recall yeah you talk, did. I, meeting him or talking to him on Texas Chainsaw did you guys hit it off at all or, oh, yeah. or get time oh, yeah yeah He's he's just such a. I've met him a couple of times and he's such a genuine guy. Seems like just humble, you know. Yeah. And uh, also foreboding. He's he's huge like you. Yes, like he, he is. You know, he doesn't. It's sometimes you can't tell on camera, but he's a enormous man. Yes, he is. But yes. So from Chainsaw, uh, did you see right away that you were recognized as Leatherface, or did that come later? Like when the horror conventions and the, right. the popularity. Uh, uh, well, you got to remember something. When that movie came out, there were only Fangoria conventions. Fangoria conventions, you yeah. You know, like once or twice a year. One in New York and one yeah. in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't anything like it is today. Right. But, you know, I mean, I was recognized, yeah, yeah. of course. The, uh, I remember the Fangoria spreads of Leatherface, and, and I would always, as an aspiring artist, I, I always wanted every picture of every Leatherface I could find, and it was so hard to find clear, lit photos of that mask. And, uh, you know, that's why I mentioned when I saw your photos the other day, I was like, man, I never could find that when I was a kid. But the uh, always that red shot with the saw and, you know, Ooh. from the poster, and there was, there was quite a few black and white stills out there, but I never could find... Good and then now there's action figures. There's yeah. your faces on everything that exists. Yeah, uh, it's uh it's crazy how fandom has just exploded in the last it is twenty years. It is. Um, but once once you went on to after Leatherface, yes. I know you did Pumpkinhead. But uh, what was what was the next big set that you went on after Leatherface? Oh well. Um... After Leatherface, give me a minute to yeah. scroll back in the, ro <laughs> the Rolodex of my mind. Jeez. Uh, the next big one. I, I suppose the next really big one that I had a significant role in was uh, uh, Hatchet 2. Hatchet 2. Yeah. And you know, I don't know if you know this, but I also worked on Hatchet 2. I did not know that. Yeah, it's a little known fact. I don't have credit on it. And I, uh, something went completely south with me and, uh, and the effects team on that. They, they had called to rent a mold from me, a body mold. And I said, yes, of course, you can borrow it. I don't care. Right. You know, I, I want to just give me a special thanks on Hatchet 2. That's badass. And they, they ran out of time. They were, John Beekler, who had done the original Hatchet, wasn't supervising hatchet too it was Correct. his guys uh rob i think and uh, uh, yeah okay. i worked with i knew a girl named jen rose and, oh jen yes i yeah. remember her and so jen uh asked to borrow the mold i said yeah of course and then at the last minute they're like actually we don't want you to borrow we don't want to borrow the mold could you just make us the body and i was like sure i'll make a body and it was a All female right. body that gets hidden into a tree and uh i said sure i'll make it but you got to pay for the supplies. And instead of paying for the supplies, they just dropped off some supplies. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll use what they gave me. Okay. And it was pretty subpar stuff. And it was really old, really brittle. It was silicone. And it, it was, uh, you know, I'm not placing blame anywhere. I just didn't go out of my own pocket to make it right. And I used what they gave me. And when I 
gave it to them, they really weren't happy with the quality of it. And I was like, well, I don't know what to say, you know. So there was a weird thing. Oh, yeah. And uh, they used it, and it's, on, it's in the movie. But uh, at the end of the day, I didn't get the credit on Hatchet 2. And I was like, I did all that work for nothing. <laughs> but that was kind of a pain because I love Hatchet. I love, love Hatchet. And, uh, and when you showed up in Hatchet 2, and of course Tony Todd's in there, yep. and he, you know, it's that all-star horror cast. Don't forget know? Danielle yeah. Harris yeah. and Mr. Tom Holland. Of course, of course. Uh, and uh, all of them are such awesome people. And uh, Adam Green's been really good to the horror community by putting yeah. all those guys in there, you know. Um, and we also, on the podcast, talked Death House, and I saw you in Death House. Yes. Uh, you know, that was the expendables of horror, and we did a, a review on it, and uh, I know the producer, Rick Finkelstein, and, I, and I'm very good friends with Phyllis Rose, and and uh, it didn't jade my, my view of the movie. I thought it was super original, way weird, and I really liked all of the horror cameos, because I'm always up for those, but... Uh, but I think it's awesome. I know you were in Trancers 3 as well. Oh, that's so right. You, I forgot. You got, Trancers 3. You got to work with Charlie Band. We we work heavily with Charlie Band. Was he involved much on Trancers no. 3? He wasn't there. I don't think I, I, I don't even think I saw him. Okay. Have you ever worked directly with Charlie Band? Do you have any kind of uh, no. uh, band camp experience? No, I, I, I don't. How was uh, Trancers 3? Like, what did you think of, I mean... Uh, you got to work with Jack Death and... Uh, yes, uh, uh, Tim Thomerson, yeah. who's absolutely fantastic. And he's primarily a comedian, I've been told, which is... And he started as a comedian. I didn't know that. Uh, I, didn't, I always knew him as the uh, the dad from The Flash. That was uh, That's what he was in when I was a kid. Yeah, but he he does... He does an, imita he does an imitation of Lee Marvin. Yeah. From Cat Blue, yeah. drunk Lee Marvin from Cat Baloo that is so spot on and hilarious. Uh, it, it's great. Plus, he's just a great guy, you know. Uh, I actually met him years before that. Uh, I was at, I think I was back at Paramount for a movie called Body Parts. Oh, yeah, Body Parts. Yeah, so uh, I was sitting in the waiting room, and in, in came this white-haired guy that I'd seen in a million movies. Right. And... Uh, um, Oh, Jesus, uh, the Fred Dreyer. And uh, they were pals. And they were just hanging out together that day. And Tim Thomerson came in to audition for a part. And I introduced myself, or they introduced themselves. Hey, how you doing? I said, man, oh, I went, I said, man I've seen you in a hundred <laughs> movies. He goes, hey, how you doing, Tim Thomerson? I go, how you doing? All right, all right. And he goes, Fred Dreyer said, yes, I know who you are. <laughs> Because, you know, he was on Hunter yeah, and all that stuff. But uh, Tim was great. That's awesome. You know, and I really enjoyed working with him. And I really enjoyed working on that movie. I thought Courtney uh, Joyner did a great job. He wrote it and directed it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, of course, Andrew J. Robinson was in it. Yeah. And... I have it on Laserdisc. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've always been a big, a big Trancers fan, and uh, obviously I was a huge Full Moon fan growing up, and uh, anything Trancers, Puppet Master, Subspecies, that whole world was, was all I cared about. But, uh, right. But it, it was uh, always cool to see in the Trancers flicks, they would always get 
some kind of mid big names in there too. You know, like you had Helen Hunt in the first. Yeah, well, she was in the, the Transfer Street yeah, yeah, as yeah, well. Yep, and uh, well, and even seeing you, I think your name was a Slash Shark. Shark. Uh, yeah. I I remember thinking, oh man, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know. All but, all in that shark head. Yeah. My biggest disappointment with that movie was. Uh, they were doing the backstage stuff, you know. Oh, that, I actually, yeah, there you go. I did see Charlie Band. Uh, they were doing a, a video uh, zone. A video zone. Yeah. And uh, uh, I was in the make. I was in the head, you know, in, in the wardrobe and everything. I was sitting in my trailer, and uh, 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 I think uh, uh, Charlie Band, you know, uh, knocked on the door and he goes, "This is Shark. <laughs> <laughs> Say hi, Shark." Uh, you. Don't worry, you'll be seeing more of him in Transfers 4. And then it didn't happen. Yeah. Yeah, well, what that's, happened that's in true what form. Yeah, what happened in Transfers 4? <laughs> hey, Jack, yeah, didn't you have a partner? Yeah, his name was Shark. What happened to him? Click on the light and it's Shark's head. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah, so I didn't get my trip to Romania. So. Uh, it's, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? I'm a nervous flyer anyway. I probably couldn't have made it. <laughs> Speaking of flying, I gotta see what time it is. I better check the time. So, uh, Twitter. I'll tell you right now. 8:45. We actually should probably wrap this up because yeah. we gotta get this guy to the airport. Yeah. But I just want to say thank you, RA, for coming out to Boulder City. Thanks for coming to the Monster Museum. Great to hear your stories. We'll wrap this one up. That one's in the bag. Well, Tom, it's been a pleasure. It's been a fantastic weekend. Uh, I'm really uh, appreciative that you thought of me and brought me out here. And I'm, I'm glad you're happy with the weekend because I'm happy as well. Awesome. Thank you. You bet. You bet. Thank you.